words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, good morning. I, uh, I feel fortunate to be here today, um, as, as well as to be fortunate that I am to have served Access Soup Kitchen for as long as I have. Um, I was first involved with the Board of Directors in, in the fall of 2010, and then I became the Executive Director in, in December of 2011. And I had, to speak, I had the opportunity before to speak to you about what happened to the soup kitchen, uh, about the soup kitchen. I spoke here a few years ago, but this time is a little bit different. This time I'm not here as a representative of Access Soup Kitchen and Men's Shelter. Uh, last, uh, two weeks ago was my final week at the soup kitchen as the director. Uh, and I've started a new position with the Lexington Rescue Mission as the Director of Restorative Services. And that means that I'm in charge of two transitional houses for, uh, for men who are, find themselves coming out of prison or uh, from the streets who are recovering from drug addictions or other um, need for, for our housing. But I'm not here to talk to you about the Lexington Rescue Mission either. Uh, I do have one story to tell about my new job, but I'll get to that later on. Now, I don't know if you all know it, but I've had a relationship with this church for quite a while. Scott and I, uh, Scott allowed me, through your willingness to allow this to happen, to have beds uh, kept downstairs, which I guess, I don't know which direction, but it's downstairs, which he called the dark side because it doesn't get used so often. I'm sure that's your all's wording too, but uh, right now, as, as I'm speaking here right now, there's about 250 beds downstairs right now housed by your church for our, um, well, for the soup kitchen, for people who move out of homelessness or need a bed, this is where they come. Um, I'm sure you may have heard that the soup kitchen um, serves a lot of meals. In 2016, we served 27,798 meals. Um, and that's a lot of food. But, but you, you know, the soup kitchen is more than just meals that are served to the needy in our community. And, and you may have heard that each year we house between 180 to 200 or a little more than that homeless men each year. Um, every day they have a place to sleep. They have a shower to take. They can take a shower, they can wash their clothing, and they can rebuild their lives. But the soup kitchen is more than just housing the homeless men in our community. And I'm sure you also may have heard that there are approximately 300 volunteers um, who come to the soup kitchen and shelter, or the soup kitchen every year, um, who are able to give of themselves to what God has called them to do. But, God, but the soup kitchen is more than, more than just a place to volunteer. It's all of those things and more. Now, I want to start out by telling you all about why I ended up where I am. Um, there's a reason for it, um, and I think a lot of it has to do with a mission trip that I took to Nashville when I was just a 22-year-old uh, college student. Um, I had this experience in the summer of 1995, and it was the, the semester before I graduated from college. I had been volunteering with a church youth group in Richmond, uh, and the, that summer we went on a mission trip to Nashville. And that mission trip to Nashville in 1995 continues to have an effect on my life today. All of the, all of the soup kitchens we went into in Nashville served liver. And uh, I don't know if you've been to the soup kitchen in the last six and a half years, but We've never once sold, served liver because I told my kitchen director, if you serve liver, there's going to be some problems. <laughs> and it had to do with that trip to Nashville. There's, 
there's other great. There's another great thing, and that's not the only great thing that happened out of out of uh, Nashville that summer. I'm gonna get to that right now. One of those nights at, on that mission trip, our group visited a tent city under a bridge on the Cumberland River that, um, and we passed out meals to the homeless there. And it was in the middle of this tent city that there was a house built by a man who was introduced to us as the mayor of that tent city. His name was Bear. He had built that house out of scrap wood, and a few of us were enabled to take a tour of that house. Um, the back of the house overlooked the Cumberland River, and there was a door on the back of that house where you could step out back. And when I looked out the back door, it was right along the river, um, I could see coming down the river from this side. So it wasn't in the Nashville proper, like if the river runs this way through the city, which is right here, we were on the other side because Opryland is where that boat came from. Well, what I found out was a boat. I saw this light coming toward me, and um, as I got closer, I recognized it as a stern wheel boat or the paddle wheel boat, and I could see that there were people on that boat, and I could hear music coming from the back of that boat. Um, this boat came right in front of this house where these people, homeless people, had built their tent city, and it was turning around, and as I stood there on the back of that house, I, I can't explain it any other way to say that um, I literally saw myself standing on that boat looking back at me with a look of disgust on my face, like, ooh, what's he doing there? And I had this sudden dis urge, this, this feeling came over me, the wanting to say, hey, I'm not one of these guys. I'm here as a volunteer, and I'm not one of them. And this shame came over me as I stood there thinking that. And I, like I said, I saw myself looking back at myself and my world literally turned upside down. And I decided at that moment that I no longer wanted to be that person on that boat. Um, it was a quite, quite a, a big experience in my life and it changed me for sure. That's not certain, that was certainly not something that a 22 year old would go underneath a bridge in Nashville to do. And I didn't want that to happen that night. It just, it just happened. I'm convinced that it was a divine appointment. I'm going to fast forward a few years, many years actually, to this past summer when our board of directors decided that it was time to renovate our soup kitchen and men's shelter. We had to move all of the belongings out of the soup kitchen and put it into storage and we knew that we'd be tearing down everything on the inside of the building with the skeleton of the wall still there that we rebuilt from. And for this reason I had to find another building to house our homeless men and I had to find another place for, our, for us to serve our meals because these people still had need, those that we served. And this, these were not easy tasks to accomplish. This took a lot of work for me to do. But we were graciously given space by the Presbyterian Church that is just up the alleyway from our, from our soup kitchen. They allowed us to have meals at that church. And we had from Ju mid, early June until mid-October to um, serve our meals from that church. That fall, or this past fall, after we finished rebuilding, um, the pastor of South Frankfurt Presbyterian Church came in to speak to my staff during our staff meeting. She wanted us to know what kind of ministry we had to her church over the summer. And yes, that's right. She said that we were serving their church, not just that we were serving meals. She said in the beginning of the summer, the tension level was really high among the, the people from that church, the congregants. And they didn't know what those people who ate at the soup kitchen were going to do to their church. 
Um, and Pastor Taylor, Pastor Marion Taylor, told us that as the summer progressed, the tension level eased little bit by little bit until they were comfortable with the people eating there. I was very proud of what she told us, but you know what? This wasn't something that I did. Uh, we, did we did plan on rebuilding our soup kitchen over the summer, and we planned on continuing to serve the homeless and the, and the needy, but we didn't have any idea that by doing it, we would be in ministry to anyone other, though, other than those who were participating in our program. And I'm convinced that this was a divine appointment. Now, I'm going to fast forward to something that happened this past Thursday at my new job at Lexington Rescue Mission. Um, the prior Tuesday, which was the day before the 4th of July, I went into a halfway house in Lexington to, with my assistant director to interview a guy who, had, um, who were, he was interested in moving in from that halfway house into our transitional shelter, our transitional house. This guy's name was Steve, and he had been in prison, state prison, for 11 years. And he told us that when he went into prison, his daughter was four. And now that, now that he's getting out, he's, her, his daughter's 16, um, which means it was a little longer than 11 years exactly. It was more like 11 years, probably 10 months. Uh, but she's now 16, and he really just wants to make her proud of him. He wants to do something that she's going to be proud of. And he doesn't want her to have to cry every time they talk to each other on the phone. I, I'm sure that separation is um, pretty difficult on her. So we were satisfied by his answers that he was suitable for our program. And when everything was in place for him to move, I went with my assistant director back to that house to, to pick Steve up. Now Steve got back to the, my house, the Potter's house, before I did. Um, and when I got there to see that he was talking to my assistant director, I saw Steve standing there and he kind of looked like what I would describe as a wounded dog. He was scared to death. He, uh, he told us that he was scared about when he was supposed to meet with his parole officer, and he didn't want to end up back in jail. He also didn't know what he was allowed to do. He wanted to know if he had to check out with us to go outside to look for a job, and I'm sure he felt like the world, whole world had changed since he had been in prison those 11 years, and to be honest, it had. Steve now has to learn how to walk again on his own, and he has to learn how to be independent. He has to learn how to work long hours, which you can't do in prison and he has to learn how to pay his bills there's so much to do I'm sure it's impossible for Steve to do this without God in his life as a foundation for those difficult tasks my job at the Potter's house is to help him accomplish these things but as hard as I try this has to be something that takes place in him through Christ Christ alone can make these transition transitions in him to make him a new creation I can't tell you how many meals over the past six and a half years that I've had with Angel, Brenda, and Jimmy at the soup kitchen. It was through eating with them and loving them that I became part of their family. Every time I, every time I would go on vacation, I would bring back pictures and share them with Angel because I knew that she didn't have very much experiences outside of Frankfurt. And I saw so much tenderness in her eyes when I showed her a picture through my phone, a Google picture of of a, a, a girl's home that she lived in for the short time that she was not allowed to live with her parents. Um, I played my guitar for Jimmy and his family um, many times, many, many times during, during the meals at the soup kitchen. They, they would request certain songs all the time. And um, last year when Jimmy died, he, I was invited to sing at his funeral. And the extended family gathered together $24 to give to me as a gift for 
uh, as a way to say thank you for playing at his funeral. Now, this is a family in need, and I knew that Brendan Angel needed that money more than I did, but if I rejected that small gift, I felt like it would have been an insult to them, so I accepted it. Now, since Jimmy died, there, um, there's no one to fix that car that Brenda and Angel used to get to the soup kitchen, and they haven't been there in months. They really can't get there at all. I went to visit Angel and Brenda at their house after I accepted this job in Lexington, and I had to tell her that I was leaving, and she cried, and she told me that she was never going to eat at the soup kitchen again, and which kind of made me sad, but I knew she wouldn't be able to get there anyway. Well, the Lexington Rescue Mission is much bigger and, and very much more financially stable than the soup kitchen here in Frankfurt. This past week, I told the director of development at the Lexington Rescue about Angel and Brenda's car not working, and I told her that I wish I could have had the opportunity while at the soup kitchen to find someone who could help her fix that car, help them fix the car. And the development director, development director is a person who raises money, and at Lexington Rescue, her name is Laura. Um, she told me that this was something that I would be able to do now that I'm at Lexington Rescue. Um, kind of hurts me a little bit that I can't do it still for Frankfurt. So in the past six and a half years, as I've loved Jimmy, Brenda, and Angel, along with every other person in the soup kitchen and shelter, I never once had the thought that I need to have the mindset of Christ while I do that work. That's what it says in Philippians, as you just read. The mindset of Christ is something that I need to have while being in a relationship, but I never once thought that. The mindset of Christ is something that Christ alone can do in you. And you just need to show yourself willing, and Christ, Christ will do the work that needs to be done in you. God has called all of us, every one of us in this room, all of us to, to do different things in his kingdom, and for the most part, it takes real courage to follow what he's called us to do. The passage in Philippians tells us that Christ took on the mindset of, or the nature of a servant. And he wants us all to do exactly that thing, which is to be servants to, servants to him. And to, to, to when you feel your calling, you need to go. And your calling may not lead you to the bridges under, uh, under, the, under the bridges in Nashville or in Frankfurt to feed the homeless, and it may not be help, to help convicted felons readjust to the life outside of prison, but that doesn't mean that God expects any less from you. I, I don't know how you've been called to add to the kingdom of God, but I knew, do know that if you're willing to go, you will be sent, even if it means volunteering in a soup kitchen once in a while, or loving a person at the soup kitchen, or loving a person in your own neighborhood. That thing that we do is minor in comparison to what God does through us, and he does it in us. Now, I've mentioned to you how many meals are served at the soup kitchen, and those meals are mostly made by volunteers who, create, who prepare the meals, put it on the plate, and hand them to the people in, the, in line at the soup kitchen. I sometimes felt that the closest that a lot, some of those people wanted to be to the people who ate there was, here <laughs> is your food. Um, but I think I'm wrong. Um, but regardless of which side of the tray you're on at the soup kitchen, um, you're doing what, you're, you're participating in what God is doing in Frankfurt. And I know that the volunteers at the soup kitchen get as much out of volunteering as those who eat at the soup kitchen. So from either side of that tray, people are being filled with the things of God. And I'm thankful to have had the opportunity that I've had to be on both sides of that tray 
for the past eight years. I'm looking forward to my new, new opportunities that I have at my new lo location in, in, Frank, in Lexington, and I know that God will give me many opportunities to serve him wherever I go. There's always work to be done in the kingdom of God, and the only, God, only the loving God will give us, give to us the way that we need to work to get that work done. And I'm thankful for that. Amen.